Cunnilingus. <laughs> Still can't do it, right? So you want to talk about such big news that you had to text me about it. Because it's so important in the world. Well, no, we, it is. It was the one number one trending story on my Twitter yesterday. It was just that um, last minute trying to come up with ideas for these things. Even the cold opens and... As the, you know, they said one of the biggest news was that uh, people got all up in arms that in the Holly Quinn cartoon, the new the third season, they were going to have a scene where Batman goes down on, on Catwoman and they cut it out. They're like, no, you can't do that. Which I think people would have been like, okay, what, you know, whatever. But I, what people were upset about is the reason why. And, and Heroes were, don't do that. Yeah, their response was heroes don't do that. Well, I don't know if you saw today, but Zack Snyder... Posted a picture of Batman going down on Catwoman, and he just said, canon. <laughs> it was a comic picture. I don't know if he had somebody draw it, or if it's from an actual comic, because it looks like it's from an actual comic. Yeah. And he just put canon, like, okay, that's in the story. He, which, obviously, with the fucking... Yeah, that, yeah. That. He got handlebars on his head, pretty much, <laughs> and his mouth is open. Well, what, I mean, what's that for? That's the design for eating some mush, you know, <laughs> for some uh, some diving... Well, I mean, the the joke all day at the comic book store on Wednesday was like, you know, heroes don't do that. No, heroes do do that. Your heroes don't do that. <laughs> My heroes do that because that's what a hero does. And I just thought that, you know, yes, that's a funny, stupid thing. But it also, you know, it also kind of, you know, sensitive, like censoring, like creativity. Yeah. Especially considering the other things on that show. Like, I just I just bought the second season. I'm like halfway through it. And within, like, the first couple episodes, Harley Quinn bites off the penguin's nose and shoves her broken baseball bat through his throat. That is awesome. Well, yeah, it's great, and the cursing and everything's awesome. Especially, okay, I just watched an episode with uh, with uh, Mr. Freeze, and he had, like, a big ice wall up there, so they had to get, a, like, a, a fire fries flamethrower because it was super flamethrowery. Right. So, they to melt the ice to get in. So Harley Quinn, whereas she was melting the ice, she made the entrance look like a vagina. Of course, as you would. And she says that. She made it look like a... Because like, the guys are kind of looking at it like, well, that looks kind of <laughs> familiar. And she's like, it's a vagina. So it's like, there's already that kind of joke. So yeah. it's not that big of a leap. Can I play devil's advocate real quick? Yeah. If heroes don't go down on ladies... Um, and I would assume that would also mean ladies don't go down on ladies or ladies don't go down yeah. on guys. But just for Batman, Catwoman, say heroes don't go down on ladies. They don't do that. That's yeah. not hero like. So does that mean Penguin's just out there fucking gobbling down fish like crazy? He's just eating snapper tuna, all just raw. He's just raw <laughs> eating that raw well, fish. Again, he kind of, he would be probably good. He got that that nose. Yeah, I would be tickling. Now I know this is not the same universe, obviously Marvel, but imagine Venom. Ooh. The tongue action and the slobbering. Woo! Just don't look at his face. Don't look at his face. You know who would be bad at going down on a lady? Hulk. <laughs> Hulk smash. Thing would try. I think he would give his damn yeah. effort, but I don't think he'd be good at it either. He's a smooth rock man. You know who else would probably be good? Daredevil. I feel like Daredevil actually would be terrible because his sense of smell is so heightened. <laughs> He just, like, uh, he'd be like, uh, even if it's not, even if it smells fine, he's still just like, uh, uh, he just put something on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> now, this might be my personal take. And, and again, we're going with Marvel here because I just feel like their characters are better at eating muff than, <laughs> than the DC characters. Flash, though, obviously, would probably be kind of wild. Though there is the, the his 
too fast and but the, the, the vi- but the vibration though. Oh, the finger. Yeah, it could be dangerous though. But he would get the frequency. Oh yeah. Uh, the Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Well, before <laughs> we go into no, we're not get away from DC right now. Oh, it's stick to Marvel. Reed Richards. Yeah. He's getting any angle you could want. He can get anywhere. Ant Man. Ant Man. Um, Giant Man. Yeah. Maybe not Giant Man. <laughs> Depends on the lady. Yeah, what's he, what's he doing? He might be a little too big. Uh, you know who'd be terrible? Captain America. He'd be so bland. Missionary. Yeah. Straight missionary. Lights off. Shirt still on. I don't think he'd be very good. If we're going, uh, you know, if we're going Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man would be probably very well. See, I think he'd be kind of narcissistic and it'd be all about him, though. Like, if there was a sex addict in the Marvel Universe, I think it would be Iron Man. Well, you went Downey Jr. I'm just going Tony Stark. Alcoholic Tony Stark, yeah. too. You're alcoholic. You have trouble getting it up. Thor, God of Thunder, would be bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Loki would be tricking. The, well, Loki's a frost giant, so he's like 500-something pounds, technically, even yeah. though he doesn't look like it. Well, Loki has been male-female kid, yeah. so, I mean, he'd probably be good slash bad at it. He also got raped. By, uh, who was it? <laughs> yeah. And impregnated, I think, or something, when he was a, a lady horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's not in the comics. That's in the uh, my- actual mythology of Loki. Look it up. It's pretty great. Oh, not great for Loki, but he deserved it. Yeah. He was, uh, you act so mischievous. You get it once in a while. Um, before we end this, anyone else you want to add to the list? Well, like I said, uh, Green, uh, Green Iron. Doctor Manhattan proved himself to be a magician, but yeah. for some reason his lady didn't like it. And probably freaked her out. He just got the wrong lady. Yeah. Be, there's plenty of ladies out there that have no problem with that. Fucking Hawkeye's hitting the G spot right. every time. I was gonna say like Green Green Arrow, you know, and he has those trick arrows too. So mm-hmm. who was uh Bullseye? Is that his name? Yeah, he might be all right too. Lex Luthor, I think he would uh, know where the spot is, but I think he'd be too selfish. I don't think he'd go down on a lady. Yeah. He's a villain, through and through. Superman would suck. Yeah. He's, it's the Captain American like, uh, syndrome. Yeah, yeah but he, I think he would like accidentally break a lady, so he'd be too worried to you know, super spooge in her or anything like that. Maybe Wolverine. Well, well he definitely would have the experience. The experience, the agility... He's small, so he can get up in there. He's always drunk. Yeah. He, uh, he's a healing factor, too, so you can do some real yeah. BDSM stuff if he's into that, I would think. He's furry, though. Hair gets, stuff gets stuck everywhere. All right. I don't think we don't need to talk about this probably anymore. The Toad. Oh. The X-Men villain Toad. Yeah, with the big toad. Yeah, yeah, but does he, like, spit acid or something? I He can't spit acid. I don't think it's always acid. Not always absent. Storm would be lame. Because, like, think about it. If you're giving it to her good, all of a sudden you got a fucking hurricane coming yeah. in. Like, that would suck. Destroy the coast. The East Coast. Although, could you imagine talking to you, Blaze, to be like, dude, I'm so good. I fucking wiped out a whole uh, eastern seaborne. What about uh, Charles Xavier? He's got what the well, just... what women want, like the Mel Gibson movie, because he could read your mind while he's doing stuff, so he would know exactly what you want next. Well, I was going to say any psychic. Any psychic. Beast. I think he would be a gentle lover. You know who would be good and going down? Wonder Woman. Why Wonder Woman? Island of Lesbians? I mean, that probably has something to do with it, and just she's very efficient, efficient and, you know... At Not movie Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot Wonder Woman I don't think would be good. No. It's like, why are you so wooden, lady? I didn't like Wonder Woman. I'm in the, the minority, I guess, but I thought it was boring. 
I like the first one. I never got around watching the second one, which I've heard nothing good about. I just wish Lucy Lawless would have been in her prime <laughs> to be Wonder Woman. I think she would have been the Wonder Woman. Or even China from the WWE, if she was in her prime. Because she was a, that's an Amazonian lady. She was buff. But could you talking about, like, the stiff delivery yeah, stuff? Could you imagine? Not a good actress. Not... She'd be good for the stunt doubles. Yeah, and the fighting, and the fornicating. You are listening to the Drunken Penwriting Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James, with me today, Spencer, the Billings Butterbean Church. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. I don't even know where Billings is. Nebraska, Idaho, somewhere over there. Maybe it's Montana. Montana? I don't know why that was on the fucking map. Like, out of all the cities, like, it must be a state capital. Where's Billings? Let me look it up. You think. You tell them what the, today's episode is about, Spencer. Uh, so... This was your idea. This was my idea as to, um... Montana, by the way. Um, so, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm always advocating the big, you know, be, I'm a big comic book reader and stuff like that. But there's a, uh, there's a lot of comic book writers out there that have either started out or even after getting their friend in the comics that, uh, also write, um, just, uh, pro novels and stuff like that. So... There's been a couple guys uh, that I've been wanting to try to check out some of their prose work. Um, so I made a list of about like four people. And I uh, I sent some links to Caleb to try to check out some of them stuff. And I figured we would try to uh, pick a guy uh, from one of them. And then pick uh, one of his works to either read for the podcast. Or... Oh, that's their big plan is to get me to read one of these books. Um, maybe. Perhaps. Per chance. I'll give you the per chance. Um, also, we are excluding, I'm excluding, Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore because they're super famous. Yeah. This is more about people, comic book creators that people may not know, or if they do know, they might not know that they have novels. Yeah. Of course, a lot of people don't know Alan Moore has novels out because most people don't read that kind of stuff. Right. But uh, obviously, Neil Gaiman's a very uh, popular writer, novels and comics. Uh, the first one you sent me was Greg Rucka. Yeah. He is an American writer known for the series of novels starring his character Atticus Kodiak. The creator-owned comic book series Whiteout, Queen and Country, and Stumptown, as well as lengthy runs on such titles as Detective Comics, Wonder Woman, Elektra, and Wolverine. Have you read a lot of his stuff? I've read, yeah, I've, I've read a good amount of his uh, comic book work, um, and he has a lot more... Um creator own stuff that they didn't list in there, you know, just in that beginning article. I'm sure once you'd go, you know, check everything else, they'd get into there. But mm. yeah, he has a very, like, quant- crime noir kind of... Is that what deal. the Atticus Kodiak books are? I would assume so. It says he's a, there's a bodyguard character. Uh, it doesn't give a lot of detail about the series. It's just a series of novels starring the professional bodyguard, Atticus Kodiak, including Keeper, Finder, Smoker... Shooting at Midnight, Critical Space, Patriot Acts, and Walking Dead. Uh, the biggest book in that series seems to be about 440 pages. The first two, which would be the ones we'd probably read for the podcast, are under 300. So yeah. that's not too bad. Uh, it doesn't have a link I can click on these books, but I'm assuming these are like, yeah, like you said, crime noir kind of. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Next up, you have Bread. Uh, bread. <laughs> My name's Bread. <laughs> 
fucking bread. You would send me a guy named Bread. Oh, second bald white guy in a row with glasses. <laughs> Congrats. You're going to send me Brian Wood, too? Another bald white guy with glasses? I don't think he's ever done novels, and I still don't think we're allowed to actually read his stuff now. Does it mean we're not allowed to talk about him anymore? I mean, we could. I mean, they're, right, they're making. Canceled. I mean, they're making a TV show out of one of his most famous works too. So, oh, that's good, I guess. Uh, Brad Meltzer. He is an American political thriller novelist, nonfiction writer, TV show creator, and comic book author. His first novel, Fraternity, garnered twenty-four rejection letters, but he then sold his second novel, The Tenth Justice, while in law school. In '94, he co-wrote the original swearing-in oath that is taken by American Corps members and has been delivered by Presidents Bill Clinton and George W. Bush. Well, that's kind of an achievement. I don't know that. In 96, Meltzer created one of the earliest author websites for his first published novel, The Tenth Justice. Over the years, every one of Meltzer's thrillers has made the New York Times bestseller list, and The Hollywood Reporter has listed him as one of Hollywood's most powerful authors. I have never heard of this fella, so what can you tell me about him? Comic-wise, what was he doing before novel? Well, he, he wrote novels before comics? Is that what I'm getting Yeah, at? I think he got into... He started with novels, and he was just... As a, as a kid, he was a, he was a fan of comics. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a fan of all that kind of stuff. Conspiracies, obviously, you know, history, um, that kind of stuff. And then so he used... Once he was able to make a name of himself in writing, he was able to... Use that to start getting some gigs in, you know, in comics. Um, his probably one of his most famous things is um, Identity Crisis. Mm-hmm. It's over probably like twenty. It's close to getting close to twenty years old now. Like I was still in high school when that came out. He doesn't like his novels, from what I can tell. Uh, like like political thrillers and like uh intrigue kind of things like that. His comic stuff, though, kind of was a little bit more harder to pin down, but he's done, like, runs on Justice League, and he's done a couple of Green Arrow books and mm. stuff like that. He's just, like, he's a very good solid, and, uh, because, like, what makes him a good comic book writer is, like I said, he's one of those guys that, like, read him and loved him when he was a kid, and knows all the histories, and can mm. kind of pull, like, these little facts up, but make, you know, make them work yeah. and stuff they don't seem, like, forced or anything like that, so... Next up, you sent me the actual link uh, to the novel, Anyone, a novel by Charles Soule. Am I saying yeah. that right? Yeah. It's got an E on the end. It's, I, I can't, I don't, I don't. Soul or Soul? It I looks like Soul. I don't know like if Soul. it's Soul or Soleil. I can't remember how, I think it's just Soul. I think if it was Soleil, it would have a, one of those little accents over yeah. the E. Soon to be adapted for television by Carnival, creators of Downtown Abbey. An indie next pick, a science fiction book club pick. Best-selling author of the Oracle Year, which is another one of his famous novels, yeah. right? Yeah, that's the other the other link I sent you yeah. of his. Okay, I didn't check that out. Yet. Oh, is that in the same thing? Did you in the same block? Because it had one on top, but when I went to click on it, it just sent me to Amazon. Oh yeah, yeah, it was this. Yeah, because yeah. I, on his website it didn't have like a description of the books. Okay, so that's why I sent you the Amazon link so you could like read the descriptions. Right. So best-selling author of the Oracle Year. Charles Soule brings his signature knowledge and wariness of technology to his new novel set in a realistic future about a brilliant female scientist who creates a technology that allows for the transfer of human consciousness between bodies and the transformations this process wreaks upon the world. That sounds pretty interesting. That's, uh, there's only one copy left. Well, I mean, so... I mean, like I said, this isn't something we have do have to do, you know, right away. Right. As we were talking about beforehand, which we won't bring up now, you know, we already have might already have something else. Oh yeah. Coming up for the website, so <laughs> you know, I was just kind of thinking down the line a little bit, you know. Right. 
Uh, next up, oh, okay, so yeah, I got, you did send that in a separate one. So the Oracle Year, that's also uh, Charles Soul. I like that cover. It's pretty funky. It reminds me of the Coin Locker Babies cover. Yeah. From best-selling comic book franchise writer Charles Soule comes a clever and witty first novel of a 20... So this would be the one we'd want to read first if we were going to. Uh, clever and witty first novel of a 20-something New Yorker who wakes up one morning with the power to predict the future. Perfect for fans of Joe Hill and Brad Meltzer, or books like The Book is Full of Spiders and Welcome to Night Vale. Knowledge is power, so an unassuming Manhattan bassist turn named Will Dando awakens from a dream one morning with 108 predictions about the future in his head. He rapidly finds himself the most powerful man in the world, protecting his anon... I can never say this word. Protecting his anonymity. Anonymity. That doesn't sound right. right. Anonymous. His identity. Anonymity. Ah, <laughs> uh, protecting his onim, protecting his anonymity by calling himself the Oracle. He sets up a heavily guarded website with the help of his friend Hamza to selectively announce his re- revelations. In no time, global corporations are offering him millions for exclusive access, eager to profit from his prophecies. It's always funny when there's a word in your head that you can say, but yeah. when you go to say it, I'm like. It's always a fun part of the uh, the podcast. That book's 416 pages. Uh, then you sent me Benjamin Percy. Yes. Oh, this is his website. BenjaminPercy.com. Uh, I like this uh, the cover of this book, too. Yeah, that looks uh, cool. The Ninth Metal. It began with a comet. At first, people gazed in wonder at the radiant gash in the sky. A year later, the celestial marvel became a planetary crisis when Earth spun through the comet's debris field and the sky rained fire. The town of North Fall, Minnesota, will never be the same. Meteors cratered hardwood forest and annihilated homes, and among the wreckage, a new metal was discovered. This omnimetal has properties that make it world-changing as an energy source and a weapon. See, I like uh, synopsis for books that are just like that, yeah. because that makes me actually interested in the book more than like those generic ones on Amazon. So this one was about like these rare metals. You were telling me about this before. Um, that they find and they could do like different things. Yeah, I think it, I think it just with these new metals and then, well, what's the things on the table of context? What are those? Um, min like mineral, like you know, just different things and that like just change that just basically both science, you know, yeah. part, you know, just with all the all this new information, new elements, elements, yes. Also, he has on here, which I'm actually really interested in, is this uh, Suicide Woods. Yeah, uh, it's it because it's a short story collection. A spine-tingling new collection of stories from the acclaimed author of Throw Me and Darknet. Benjamin Percy is a versatile and propulsive storyteller whose genre-bursting novels and story collections have ranged from literary to thriller to post-apocalyptic. Uh, what can you tell me about his comic history? Um, he is one of, like, the new... I mean, he's probably been around for, like, five years mm. or so, but that's still kind of, like, new in, in, in the comic world, you know, because how long it takes for, like, work to kind of, you know, come out. I like a lot of his stuff that he does. Just from reading these synopsis, too, it sounds like he's, I mean, obviously because he's more modern, but it sounds like he's diving into a lot of newer things. Like, this uh, other book, he has The Dark Net. It's about, like, bitcoins and piracy yeah. and stuff like that, so like, online stuff. So I think I'd be down for reading because that'd be like the most modern of these. So there's this new uh, comic book comedy uh, company out uh, called uh, AWA. He's done, I think, at least two series from there. One is called Devil's Highway, and it's all about like a network of like 
evil truckers that they communicate and they pick up, you know, the cookers and they, you know, kill them and do like weird, like Satanism snake things with them and mm. stuff like that. And like the only reason they get caught is because this one escapes, this one like hooker escapes and goes to like this diner and it's very like, like Minnesota. Cause I think he like is from Elizabeth, yeah. Minnesota. It's very like, you know, flyover state. Like it, it's yeah. winter. So it's real cold snows everywhere. And like, it, it's, it's like late he's closed. He's clean up. Bang, she's banging on the window and she goes and he goes to like let him in to help and like the guy follows him so he kills both of them. So this chick is like a badass. She, you know, she had tattoos. She can kick ass. She's good with a gun. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, she's trying to find who murdered her father and so just trying to do that she just unravels this whole thing. And it's like, like I said, like it's like a whole network of, you know, just these like these evil fuckers that use nice. like big rigging as their like camouflage yeah. and stuff to do th- to do these things. But he also does like he does um like he's doing the uh, Wolverine and Marvel now. He's done a decent amount of things at at Marvel, <laughs> but a very yeah very good writer and he can do multiple kind of genres and stuff. And right. he has a very grittiness like to to mm-hmm. a lot of to a lot of his things. Can I add one to your list? Yeah. Uh, Joe Hill. Well, I didn't know you you were saying famous people. See, but I feel like Joe Hill is not quite at the level yet. Because like, if I go to somebody who doesn't really read a lot of stuff and I say, hey, Joe, Joe Hill, Hill, they're just like, huh? But if I... Because even if you say lock and key to somebody who doesn't read comics, they probably don't know what that is. Right. Whereas if you see, say Neil Gaiman, a lot of people know him just from TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Joe Hill's getting there. He's had TV shows and stuff, you know, things coming out now. Like there's going to be a lock and key show. They did that, what was it, the Nosferatu show? Is that what that yeah, was? Yeah, yes. Uh, what you said was awful. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. The book's awesome. Yeah, the book. The, the book's awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm down to read more Joe Hill. Um, I still haven't read Joe Hill other, other than uh, the co-written thing he did with his dad. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say you could read his, um, his, uh, his, because his first book was uh, 20th Century Ghost, and it's, it's short story collection. And that would also, too, give you a, a good sense of the different kind of stories that he can tell. Because I was say, that, that would, the only bad thing for the podcast would be, like, I've already read, like, half of his stuff already. Yeah. So, but, I mean, I, the, I don't think there's any, like, super long um, things. Though. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't be averse to, read, you know, rereading, um, yeah. you know, his short stories. Yeah. Well, he has a Stranger Weather. That's, like, a novelette kind of thing. And mm-hmm. then, or... It was full, full Throttle. That's the newest one, too. I haven't read that, and that's all short stories. You still got to read that Owen King book. I still got to read Owen King as well. That was a pretty big book, actually. That was kind of big. He has, was... a, he has a short story collection, too, but they wanted like 30 or $40 for that. I was like, nah. nah. They didn't, the reviews weren't very nice, either, so I was like, it's probably not all that. Um, yeah, but I'm, all, I'm always down to read some more uh, uh, Joe Hill. Well, I have something... That I'm going to be reading here probably starting tomorrow. I'm almost done with that Solomon King collection. No, that didn't take you long. No, I'm more than halfway through. They're really entertaining. Like, every fucking chapter, I guess you can call them, because it's written in, like, you know, the periodicals or whatever, like the old eerie magazines and weird magazines. Uh, So it's broken down a little differently than just chapters, but they kind of put it into chapters, so to speak. So every chapter or scene ends on a big cliffhanger. So you just keep going and going. So do you... Do the stories jump around like the Conan stories do? Like in like, you know, Conan, you could do he's either a king or he's very like young or he's a pirate or he's like, you know, does does it do that with uh, 
Solomon Kane's series, or are they more just linear and kind of like, this is one adventure, and after that adventure, this adventure happened, like, kind of right after, or like, you know, this adventure led to that adventure kind of thing, or um, anything like that? So far, just every story is in a different place, and, because he's, uh, he's like a vagabond, he just travels wherever he feels he's needed, so, yeah, every story is just him going, and he's in a new land, and... A lot of them so actually have been him chasing some bandit for years, and he finally catches up with them somewhere. Um, like I said, a lot of these stories are also horror stories, so I'm, I'm digging it. I think it's a lot of fun. But I just ordered uh, Deaf Republic Poems by Ila Kaminsky. It's a it's like about the U- Ukrainian conflict going on, because uh, well, I think she's a UK- Ukrainian au- author, and she's like hard of hearing, too. That's why it's Deaf Republic. She... Because I heard I was a poetry podcast I was listening to because I've been trying to, like, give more of an appreciation to contemporary poetry. Because, you know, I don't like the non-rhyming, like, yeah. modern poetry. But I, I, it's like, I'm thinking my problem is just reading it uh, without ever really listening to it. Uh, maybe I'm just not getting it right. And yeah, Poetry can be kind of weird yeah. like that, huh? If you, it's, it's, it's different between reading to hearing. Yeah, the poetry, where I found it was, uh, let me look this up. Uh, it's a podcast called Poetry Unbound, and they're only like eight to ten minutes long episodes. So what I like about it is it starts off by reading the poem, and then the guy, which he's like Irish too, so it just like makes it better. Uh, and then he breaks down like the poem, what it's about and stuff, and like what you're supposed to kind of feel. And then he reads it again with this with that knowledge. Um, and so far, there's a couple really excellent ones where I'm like, oh, I finally fucking am starting to get it. So I got this collection because it's also a narrative collection. So it's like a story going on because the one they used, uh, the poem that was on the podcast. I don't know if I remember the name. I think it was the newest one, actually. It was Ila Kaminsky. We lived happily during the war. And I thought it was really interesting because there's this war going on. But the poem is about like this family who even though this war is going on and they feel like they should do something or they should, uh, like, it's, it's almost guilt because they're actually living happily. Like, nothing's happening to them. It's just, like, things are happening to other people. And then you kind of start, you know, it's like that guilt you feel. It's like, I really should be out there doing something. I should be helping, but my life's actually all right. Like, do you want to mess up your life? To Yeah. So that's, it's kind of like the feelings that elicits and stuff. So I'm interested to see how, like, the collection is and if I'll be able to be drawn into it. Versus, uh, you know, listening to it, like I said, I, the, listening to it, I get it. I'm like, okay. But if I read it, I still might be like, eh, I don't yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to try. I'm going to actually read them out loud to myself. I feel like maybe that'll help get it out. Because when I do that sometimes with, like, Dylan Thomas poems, I uh, read them out loud because it just, you, when you hear it, it's just different. You're like, okay, that's why it was written like this because it's supposed to be spoken like this. That's why it has these weird pause breaks. Because, like, a lot of modern poetry, especially, it has, like, those weird fucking break-off points. And you're like, what? Why are they talking? Like, they sound like Christopher Walken? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. what I think. Um, but it, it's not. It, it's actually a lot different. So I'm trying to give it a chance. Trying to be more uh, open-minded and well-rounded in my literary event. Literary adventure. But, yeah, I'm interested in digging into some of those uh, comic book art- or authors, too. Uh, real quick before we leave, uh, if we don't pick them, I did one to point out that brad Meltzer, he also has a very good line of children books um 
called like the people who made us or oh, shit. I can't remember, but like you know, they talk about like anybody from like uh, you know Abraham Lincoln to uh, uh, like Lucille Ball to uh, so kind of like a history. Yeah, just like these kind of people, like uh, and it's and then it's good, like it, you know, gives these kids like a little history lesson, but they also then shows like the. You know, the good that they've done, like, you know, kind of gives them somebody that, you know, to, to like, look up to, you know? Mm. Yeah, that sounds like that'd be pretty cool. Um, I find maybe it's just because I'm an old man now, but I have been appreciating books aimed at children more, like the Graveyard Book by yeah. Gaiman. When I read this a couple years ago, that Farland the Goblin series that uh, one guy sent us, yeah, I, I really enjoyed those. Yeah, I would. I kind of wish we would get the last couple. It was, the, it was just one left. I didn't get the last one because okay. he didn't have it printed yet. Yo. Um, and I just never got around to picking it up because it wasn't on like Amazon. I think he was selling it through his website maybe or it was like there was an issue with the runs or something. But if you folks, you can find him on our Twitter at drunken or at Drunk Pen Writing. He follows us. We follow him. Farlane the Goblin. Trust me, like if you got kids. You don't. I mean, I enjoyed him. I'm an adult. It's really fun series, very well drawn. It almost reminded me of like a Todd McFarlane type of style. And I remember the first couple volumes, I just read on my phone. They mm. were just PD- PDFs in. And like I was still like into it. And then when we got like the, he sent us like a print volume of like the third, the third volume. All I of say. them. Oh, was them all? All of them except for the last one, yeah. And like just because they're like these nice long, wide, very cin- Which cinematic. Which is very fun for kids too, like because the shape of them, they're very long. So you get these big sprawling colorful pictures and stuff. And like like I said, the art's fantastic. So uh, Farley and the Goblin, if you guys uh, can uh, give those a read, you'll really enjoy them, I think. All right, so the... The the name of the Brad Meltzer series. Yeah, put uh, your phone away. It's me. Or or ordinary people that change the world. There we so, go. So those uh, that's um, you know, if you need some, you get some small younger kids and stuff like mm. that. Those would be uh, you know, good for them as well. Noise, noise. Okay, bye. No. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, we hope you check out some of those works. We're definitely going to. I feel like we do a pretty good job when we read different lists or come up with things that we want to, you know, check out. We usually at least check out one. Yeah. It's hard to check out all of them, but at least I, oh, we we I, we still never got the round to the po- uh, the Irish one. Remember, we did a list of Irish authors. We never got around oh, to reading yeah. any of the Irish authors. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed in myself for that. I haven't yeah, read Irish. Because you checked out some of the uh, the African authors, didn't you? Didn't you end up getting something? The African one? authors, and I think we did Japanese authors at one point, which I also checked out. I do want to actually want to check out more of the African authors because I've only read a, my reading of African literature right now is very limited. Yeah. The problem is a lot of African authors really didn't come out until like later uh, in the 20th century, at least from what I can find. And uh, obviously. Like, a lot of those uh, stories that are about, like, colonialism and stuff. So, I kind of have to be in a certain mind frame if I'm going to read those, too. Like, that Chinua Achebe book, uh, what was that? Every, uh, not Everything Falls Down. Uh, something along those lines. But that's, the like, the main one I've read so far out of, like, the famous African literature. And then I've read, like, short stories and different collections like that I've seen. But uh, I, d- I want to check those out more just because I like to be diverse in my reading. And I also want to check out some uh, Latin American authors which i have a bunch on my list just haven't gotten around to it still working my way through the japanese because i really like the japanese style of writing i just uh think it's enjoyable oh before we end which i guess i could tell you this off but i'll tell you now anyways we're here we're only 34 minutes in anyway 
Um, we need a little extra fluff. I found out some things about Yukio Mishima I didn't realize. Okay. Because you know how we always talk about like the translations and stuff of the books? Well, I found some interviews of him on YouTube, and he spoke English, like an like an English speaker. Like, he was very fluent, and he would actually translate his own books. Now, not to be ignorant, but that's the guy who you told me who kind of went, not crazy, but kind of, like, did the rebellion thing and then ended yeah. up doing the... Oh, seppuku. Seppuku, yeah. Yeah. But he, he translated his own work. I mean, oh, he, that's I, interesting. I mean, I'm sure he had translators for like mass print editions or things like that but he actually did a lot of translating of his own work so that's why when i've been reading through his bibliography i noticed the writing is pretty consistent throughout whereas like the haruki mirakami stuff when i get to some of his lesser known works or like how this first person singular is if it's uh a translator I haven't heard of before because like some of his translators he uses the same one for multiple books when you get to a different one you can tell it's not written the same uh, I mean, it's similar, but it's not like, like if you just gave me this book without telling me it was Haruki Murakami, I wouldn't know it was Haruki Murakami. Yeah. Like, I, well, I mean, I would start to guess because of the jazz and the Beatles and stuff, but I would still be like, it could be just, an Im- it's, that's what it reads, like an imitation of Murakami, whereas uh, some of the other works, which I feel like are better translated. So, so, you, so you feel it's more, for, it's that's probably more because of the translation yeah. and not the actual writing? I think so. I don't. I wouldn't imagine this was meant to be like a super pot. Like the short story collection, they usually kind of shit out. Yeah. Like a lot of authors, like I just got a bunch of stories up. It's collecting. Here you go. Or They're stuff n- that I put in magazines like twenty years ago. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say. With the short stories are always hit or miss, in my opinion. I which sucks because like I like reading a good short story collection. I do too. I like when an author does a good job. That's why the elephant vanishes. Which I told. I think I told you off air, right? Yeah. We're going to keep up the Miracami Minute after we finish this one, because this, like, I can't let Spencer just go without actually reading Miracami. Even though it is Miracami, he's not getting a feel for it, man. Uh, you're getting 70-something-year-old Miracami, who I think just wanted to make some money. Yeah. I don't think he was very passionate about this project, whereas Elephant Vanish is one of his most famous collections. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I'm excited, and I read the synopsis of some of the stories, and they sound very wild. Yeah. So hopefully that'll be a little more... Uh, entertaining and i believe the print edition i got is one of his most used translators as well but i thought that just was a nice or some fun information on yukio mishima was that he uh actually translated his own work which makes i think it a better experience because like i said the work would be more consistent and uh they can't really say there's translation errors when the author himself translated you you at least know like whatever is there on the page is what the author wanted there yeah so even if he translated something that doesn't translate that well from japanese he was able to find a workaround yeah whereas a translator just kind of has to guess what the author in or how they would like it i mean some translators work with the author too but still like you know if it's the author themselves they're the one that's given the overall pass on it so if they're saying this phrase works then it works i think that's all the book news i got you didn't have anything did you you've been reading hg wells but we'll talk about that off air yeah don't need to bore the fans with fucking old man wells it's getting better you've been saying that but i don't think it is you said that about sleeping beauties too Uh, i don't think you liked it you don't want to admit it i don't think you liked it also ash told me he was writing a review because i told him you're not much of a review reader generally so uh he's reading i think it was on that um Ryu Mirakami, that Pierce book or whatever it was that I was telling you he was reading, he really liked that. But he says in the, he told me that you might get mad at him because in the review he shits on Stephen King a little bit. Uh, so, 
Now, I kind of wanted to be like, hey, I mean, Ash, you know Spencer, like, he he reads Stephen King, likes Stephen King, but it doesn't mean, like, he's fucking, it's not a family member. Yeah, like, it's not like if he insults Stephen King, Spencer's like, oh, you fucking dick, you just don't get it, man. Yeah, like, I'm not one of those, I'm not, like, one of those uber fans. Like, I know his, I know his faults, I've seen his faults. You're not gonna hobble anyone. I just, I, 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 I forgive him for him, yeah. but, like, yeah, and, like, well, That's what know, I told him, I was like, Spencer's shit on him a little bit, too, about yeah. certain things. Like, it's not like he's just, oh, Stephen King can do no wrong. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just... He's just probably he's just probably my favorite, but I know that like other people don't like him, and I mean I should on uh, other you know people that you know other people really like that I you know that I, that I don't like you know it's yeah we talk mess on Stephanie no, Myers all the time and now I mean and it, it's one thing like if you in your review too if you point out something like oh well yeah that is kind of true or other if you're just like and also like Stephen King he's a piece of dog shit yeah. like, you know like that, that that's different yeah. like you know it's like well hey man like that's not true. And he'd be like, oh, I really like this book because he's not a liberal cuck like Stephen King. Like, wait, <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, that's failed, bud. I would imagine he, uh, Ash's reviews are actually pretty good. Way better than any reviews I've written because he seems to care about the reviews. Oh, whereas uh, I'm just like, yeah. Just, very basic. Yeah, just like, yeah, it's good or it's not good. But he actually goes into very good detail. Uh, so if you ever go to our website, drunkenpenwriting.com, check out the drunken reviews uh, that Ash puts up. Cause he even pairs booze with what like what he's oh, reading okay. and stuff. I don't know if you ever like I said you should read them. Yeah, you would actually like the books he like. You'd be interested in the books he covered because he did like a Jane Bronte piece. Jane Bronte, not uh, the Bronte sisters, not Jane. That combined things, um, like Pride and Prejudice or something. I forget what it was. The girly books, you know that everyone reads. Uh, and he actually broke it down in a way that was like, that might actually be too bad. Like, I might want to read that. That seems like, interesting. Yeah. Um. So you can check us out and also Facebook, Instagram at Drunken Pen Writing. That was very abrupt how I shifted. <laughs> it's going to sound like I just cut. Um, I noticed that on the Mirakami episode, sometimes I'll just end it with like, you know, all right, that was a Mirakami Minute presented by Drunk Pen Rain Podcast. And it's just over. It just sounds like I put in an audio clip of me saying that. I actually don't. I never do. I don't have pre-recorded audio clip. I just say it and it just goes in. But I just want to be done. So uh, thank you folks for listening. Uh, keep on reading. Pandemic might be over. That doesn't mean you have to stop reading. <laughs>